This is the Summit Life Ministries audio experience. Hi everybody, welcome to the Age Changer Show brought to you by Summit Life Ministries. My name is David Furrow. This is my dad, Lynn Furrow, also the founder of Summit Life Ministries. Our mission at Summit Life is to elevate, equip, and empower. Elevate the church's vision to see God's eternal purpose. Equip believers to live with an eternal perspective, but then also empower believers to live supernatural lifestyles in faith-filled obedience. Now, today's episode is our question and answer show, Dad, which we love doing. And so... uh, I think you guys (laughs) love doing it, but it puts me in the hot seat. Yeah, on the spot a little bit. (laughs) So, yes, I do like doing it. (laughs) Get a little fire under you. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. But uh, we'll just go ahead and start off with the first question um, for today. And it says, and this kind of ties along with some of the questions we had last week, but I think people want a little more clarification. It says, I've heard some teachings lately that God doesn't cause things to happen to people, but he does allow things to happen. Can you clarify the difference between the two? Yeah. Well, I would want to just uh, refine the question. I do think there are things that God causes, Mm -hmm. uh, but it is what he causes because God is active. uh, God is engaged and he is moving forward on his purpose. But his purpose is the perfection and the pleasure of his will, Mm -hmm. that which he has decreed. And so we read passages uh, in the scripture that it says God's word will not return unto him void or return back, report back to him empty handed. Yep. And uh, it said it, his word will accomplish what he sent it to do. So God is a king and he makes decrees yeah. and he is commanding angel armies and he's also commanding uh, his Uh, family, which is the church, and he expects us to embody his will and to reflect that. And as we engage in partnership with him in his purpose, Mm -hmm. he endorses his will as we embody it and live it out. And he releases grace and power uh, that allows us to do the work of God according to his will. And so the work of God is not just us doing things within the limitations of our ability and strength, but that's why I say we're we're wanting to move in faith-filled obedience. And to do that, we have to live a supernatural lifestyle. So there are some things that God uh, causes and sets in motion. He has decreed, and then with that decree, there is a corresponding grace that accomplishes what he's what he has sent his word to do but i think that this question is saying there are things that happen in the earth that because it did happen Mm -hmm. we would say why would god allow or permit something like that to happen because it's not a reflection of his character it's not a reflection of his nature it's not a reflection of who he is. So if God is all powerful and God is sovereign, why would he allow something like that to happen? Yeah. And the reason for that is in the sovereign plan of God, he included human free will. The reason why he created us with a free will 
is that God's intent and desire in the creation of mankind is that he would not have those that were forced to obey him, forced to love him, because the very uh, central core of God's nature is love. Well, you cannot love somebody uh, authentically unless you have the freedom to be able to give yourself to them. If they say, you will love me, and this is the way you're going to love me, uh, then my response back to you, if you have that type of, um, you know, determination to cause me to have a relationship with you, whether I want a relationship with you or not, uh, really then disannuls, or I should say annuls what real love is. And so God wants voluntary lovers. He wants voluntary worshipers. He wants those that are willing to be willing to uh, engage in relationship and in partnership with him. So because free will was included in a part of his plan, it's not that I can do anything that can subvert or stop God's ultimate intention, Mm -hmm. but I can delay it. I can work against it. I can say, no, I choose not to love you, even though that he wishes everybody uh, to come to repentance. But we know that not everybody will because he's not going to force them to love him, serve him, and obey him. Yeah. So what begins to transpire then is that because men have free will and they will not yield their will, to the conforming uh, purpose of God, then they begin to do things to other people that are contrary to what God would desire or or long for in human relationship and and having his will for family and human relationship, which is we're to love each other the way we desire to be loved and uh, the way we love ourselves. And so then men transgress against each other. So God um, does not stop those things. He, he, he does restrain them. Mm-hmm. And he does work to try to prevent them. But he is not going to stop me from using the freedom of my will and the exercise of that will Uh, even if it means there are consequences that are not the perfection of his will or according to his will or his desire. Now, ultimately, there will be a moment where he says, I am going to bring everything in alignment, but I'm giving everyone an opportunity to repent, and I'm giving the nations an opportunity to hear the gospel to change their ways, to receive restoration and realignment to his purpose. So God is very patient. He's very kind. He's very gracious. But ultimately, there will be a day when he says, I have given you the opportunity to hear the good news, to understand my nature and the nature of my kingdom, and for you to be able to receive my reign 
and understand my benevolence and generosity. But there will be a day where he says, every knee must recognize who I am. Yeah. <coughs> Excuse <Bless> me. <laughs> yeah, bless me. Um, so this, this is going to end where men have the freedom to yeah. sin because we're moving towards a new heavens and a new earth where sin will no longer be present. So God doesn't cause it, but he does in his permissive will allow it because of our free will. Okay. Second question that we have for you here is, can you go deeper into Luke 12, 49 through 51 and explain if he came to be the divider, how then can a church unify people that Jesus divided? Okay. Just a real easy, <laughs> easy question. Softball there. And I guess the way I would like to approach this one is we need to, again, understand God's ways and the way he works in mm-hmm. dealing with individuals, his people, corporately, collectively, and then nations. And the division for clarification is a part or expression of the working of his way and will when a nation has fallen into compromise. So they have negotiated truth, truth which defines reality, truth which is a revelation of God's true nature, the expression of his glory. Truth is who God is. Yeah. And so that's non-negotiable. I can't say, God, I got a couple things that I want to talk to you about. Could you just change the way you are? <laughs> now, in my marriage, because I'm imperfect, my wife has come to me a number of times and said, there's a couple things I don't like about you. Could you work <laughs> on that? Yes, honey, I'll work on that. But God, who is infinitely perfect. Mm-hmm. Perfect in all of his ways. Uh, He becomes this immovable standard for truth. But what happens with people, what happens with churches, what happens with nations, is that they begin to exchange the truth of God. Romans 1 says the Mm -hmm. truth of God, what God has revealed about himself. And they exchange that truth for a lie. Now, it may not look like a big lie. Mm -hmm. It may not look like a gross uh, uh, distortion of who he was. But if it's something where I go, I need God to look a little more like me because that would make me feel more comfortable in my decisions and in my behavior. So we can see entire denominations in the 20th century and continuing in the 21st century, how denominations that used to be bright and shining lights of truth, Mm -hmm. and I'm not going to mention them, but we've witnessed it before our eyes, the slow decline of many historic denominations, which used to, again, be bright and shining lights. But what they did was there was a pressure upon them to try to be more acceptable to the world and not be rejected for the truth 
that they stood for and the truth that they represented. And so they began to change and adjust, make room for compromises. And a couple episodes ago, three episodes ago, I define what compromise is. Compromise is when I uh, make an arrangement based on a decision with somebody that is wanting me to conform to their will, Mm -hmm. where I go against my convictions and but I make that decision to negotiate truth away to exist and to survive, but not really to overcome. Yeah. Not really to continue to advance in the mission or the uniqueness of the purpose of why God made you or why God made the church or even the founding of a nation. So this division for clarification always happens in in a in a person's life, in a church's uh, life cycle or a nation's life cycle when they are on mission drift and they have uh, departed and negotiated truth away, departed from the faith, negotiated truth away, but there is still a remnant of people that are wanting to hold and preserve the, the, the faith that was delivered to them. There are multiple exhortations in the scripture where in the book of Jude, Jude Jude said, I wanted to write to you about other things. And I wanted to just be an encouragement to you. Mm -hmm. But I saw a a spiritual peril and a danger. And he said, but so I changed what I was going to write. And I'm telling you, you need to contend for the faith that was once delivered to you. And he was giving them their marching orders. He was giving them, you got to go to the front because there is a a battle that is raging over what we are uh, as believers and what the church is to be. Even in that first century church, there there were those that wanted to compromise. There were those that were wanting to negotiate truth away. We see that in Acts 15 how that because there were Gentile and Jewish believers that were now coming together and the church was not just uniquely Jewish. Mm -hmm. There was this argumentation over the nature of salvation and they were pounding out their their theology, uh, what we would call soteriology, the doctrine of salvation. But there were some that had come in to the church. Paul called them false brethren who wanted to have the Christian church, Messianic Jewish believers, say that it was a requirement for salvation for Gentiles to keep the law and to be circumcised. Mm -hmm. And of course, there, there were those that had the revelation that we're not saved by any works of human performance and self righteousness, but by the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ by and through his righteousness. So already there was there was conflict. Well, what happened? There was a division of clarification that the Christian church was not just going to be a sect of Judaism, but it was going to come out from Judaism and God was going to build a new type of temple. He was yeah. going to build a new household. Uh, it was going to be a continuation of the faith of Abraham, yeah. 
but it was going to be those that were walking by faith, not just by human heredity or genetics. Well, there have been many other times in church history, the Reformation uh, with Martin Luther, the kind of was the first salvo of the Reformation. Uh, there was a man by the name of Tetzel that was authorized by the Catholic Church to go raise money by selling indulgences mm -hmm. throughout the German kingdoms to the north because they were wanting to build St. Peter's Basilica. Yeah. Needed to, to raise a lot of money to yeah. build that cathedral and that facility. And so Tetzel was a marvelous religious salesman. The problem was he was selling salvation. Yeah. He literally was saying that salvation could be bought and sold for money. And so it is said that when he would make his presentations in the city square, that he would say, as soon as your coin hits the bottom of, of the chest, a soul is released from purgatory, <laughs> you know? And so that was kind of his little poetic thing that he would say, yeah. come on, put your coins in here. And, and, and the Pope had signed these indulgences because he was supposed to be the representative of Christ on the earth. Yeah. The problem with that was it was false doctrine. Yeah. And so Martin Luther said, if the Pope has power to release people from purgatory, which is a place of suffering, mm -hmm. why wouldn't he do that for yeah, everyone? Yeah. But we also know that salvation is not bought by money. Salvation comes by grace through faith. And so that, that professor, that the German monks, took a stand for the gospel. Yeah. He had been able to study the book of Romans and Galatians, and God gave him a, a, a really a, a renewal of a, a truth of, of a doctrine that had been lost to the church. Well, when he wrote that thesis and nailed it on uh, the door of the, the Wittenberg Church and said, I want to debate this issue, because yeah. Tetzel's coming through our community saying that salvation can be bought and sold, I want to debate this with him. It, it, was, the, it was the shot heard around the world, yeah. spiritual shot heard around the world. And because of the printing press, they took it down, printed it, spread it throughout uh, Germany, and the Reformation began. What happened? He was a divider. Martin Luther became a divider, but the division was not just for division's sake. It was to clarify that was that which was true and that which was false, that which had been distorted and that which had been lost was going to be reclaimed. So God does this work whenever we find ourselves <clears throat> in a moment where there's great compromise, great backsliding, where things have been negotiated away, and then there, there are these clarion voices that God raises up yeah. and says, you are not what you used to be. And that was what, going back to Donald Trump being a great divider, his whole political slogan was, we used to be great, now I would debate with him what made it, what makes America yeah. great, because uh, it's not our economic power, it's not our our brilliance of technology, none of that. 
it was our godliness. It was our godly foundations, and yeah. and it was the fire in our pulpits and and the various things like that. It was the church that made our Christian heritage that made America great. But at least Donald Trump said, "You're not what you used to be." Yeah. And we have an opportunity to reclaim what we've lost. Mm-hmm. Of course, when he said that, I never thought that make America great would be something controversial, <laughs> but you could tell it was like a lightning rod. And as soon as he made, or the 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 slogan was stated when he ran for president the first time, I, I said, this man, there's something prophetic that God is going to use this man to do. And, mm-hmm. and he has been like an anvil that has worn out many hammers. Yeah. And, and they've attacked him, but he becomes this divider. And again, it doesn't mean that he's a great politician, doesn't, and I think he has been, uh, uh, has a good political sense to him, but really God's purpose was to reveal the thoughts and intentions of men's hearts mm-hmm. uh, to where we could either repent or we could harden our heart. Yeah. And God said, okay, the next step, once we clarify who is on the Lord's side, we clarify who is going to take a stand for righteousness or who is going to, again, just drift down the path that the American nation is going. And it is it is frightening how quickly we have drifted away. Yeah. I mean, at, at first it was kind of a, a slow drift. Mm-hmm. But now the water, it's kind of like spiritual rapids. Yeah. We are quickly heading for judgment in our nation unless there is another great awakening that turns the tide uh, of, of how quickly our nation is going to race to judgment. Because mm-hmm. the, the chastising uh, temporal judgments of God, you can see them in the nation, uh, whether it's through natural phenomena or whether it's uh, through the disintegration of, of things uh, and standards. But ultimately, it says the nation that forgets God is yeah. cast into hell, uh, which means destruction. Yeah. The only when a nation is no longer fit for use for God's purpose, it is put onto the to the trash heap of history. God says, yeah. Your purpose, your life cycle is over. You are no longer fitting to serve my purpose for my glory. So I'm going to uh, end the the life cycle of this nation. And so these are uh, perilous times. And every believer must be fighting this battle for the soul of our nation. And, and so... It doesn't matter what your political background is and your loyalties and your provincialistic loyalties. This is about the kingdom now. Yeah. And this is about what uh, will the United States or post the United States, whatever that looks like. Because where we're heading is the division is going to, God's going to continue to clarify. The cut is going to go deeper and you are going to have to make a choice. And I, I you know, David, you're going to have to make a choice. But really, I want to say this to all the people. There, there, the side is going to be so 
clarified on what side uh, is is the Lord's and what side is the camp of the enemy and and the the spirit of Antichrist that which is inviting a spirit of Antichrist in you're going to have to make a choice and I've already made a choice mm-hmm. uh, and it's not a choice about one political party or another I'm going to align myself with God and I know that means that when I do that as a true speaker as a truth declare, as a voice that's crying in the wilderness, because this is not very popular to say, yeah. I know there's going to be pushback and persecution. Uh, but when it all comes down, Misty Edwards uh, sang a, 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 a song, and she goes, when it all comes down, it's all going to come down, my brothers and sisters. And when it comes down, you want to be on the Lord's side. Yeah. Now, Go on, I just want to go back a little bit here as we're wrapping up. We, and I need you to keep this like two, three minutes. <laughs> but you talked about earlier about when the church gets mission drift, or you even said when the nation drifts away and they compromise. Do you think that compromise is because they are wanting to be, they want to attract more people to them, or they're just wanting to eliminate some of the backlash they're receiving? I think it can be both, but just to succinctly answer this, because I know we're running out of time for the session. The Bible says the fear of man is a snare. And I think most people uh, that begin to compromise, it's because they want to please and not upset someone. And so churches get into a situation where wealthy donors... Uh, that don't have a love for the truth, mm-hmm. but yet they're a part of the establishment of the church and they're supporting many good things because yeah. of financial uh, um, things. Many pastors are put into a situation, do I upset these family and lose their financial support, which affects many good things that we're doing? And so do I really need to emphasize that truth? Do I need to make it that clear? Because in their minds, it's not as clear. They're, they don't think of it in, the, in a way in which truth has a centrality and an orientation to their Christian life. Yeah. They've redefined what Christianity is. And it's not just only truth. It's truth and grace. It says the law came by Moses, but grace and truth came by the one uh, Christ Jesus. So it's not that we're trying to beat people over the head with truth, but we marry grace and truth together. Otherwise, I get cheap grace, and it becomes um, uh, an expression of love and grace, which is not biblical. Grace and truth cannot be divorced, David. Uh, You're you're not going to have the revelation of one without the other. Okay, thank you. Well, guys, that's all we have for today. If you guys have comments or questions about the answers that my dad gave, make sure to put them in the comment section below. If you guys just want to know more about Summit Life Ministries, make sure to check us out at summitlifeministries.com. If you want to just get all our updates and just micro content that we put out, make sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, subscribe to us on YouTube. But guys, we thank you for being with us. We appreciate all your love and support. And thank you and God bless. Bye-bye. Love you.
What's up, everybody? This is Josh Furrow from the Summit Life Ministries team. I just wanted to thank you for tuning in to the podcast. Make sure you subscribe, leave us a review, and have a blessed week.